0: Hello! Welcome back to You Call Those Tactics. This is episode four, uh, and uh, like i had been saying the last couple of weeks, uh, we're going to do something a little different now. I'm finally having a guest. Uh, you know me, I'm Sergeant Ken, and I have John Spees uh, from the Blast From Our Past podcast, uh, and he's my first victim, I mean uh, guest. Uh, John? Uh, you can call me Captain Crunch.
1: Captain Crunch. Outstanding. No, I'm kidding. Don't call me Captain Crunch. <laughs> it's Admiral. It's Admiral. Uh, uh, no. <laughs> Sorry, this isn't the Navy. Um, <laughs> so my name is John. Um, I am one half of the Blast from Our Past podcast that I do with my brother Adam. Uh, we do kind of a nostalgic look back of. Now we just kind of say media from our childhood. It, it started out as just kind of movies and TV shows, and it's blossomed into. Uh, We do album reviews from the music from around the 80s, 90s, 70s a little bit too and we do fun top, top 10 episodes. We just kind of look for anything to talk about that has to do with our childhood and sort of the nostalgia we feel for those times.
0: And I would definitely say you're the better half of the of the two. Uh, your brother Adam. I'm the nicer. Exactly, half, definitely sure. the nicer half. And you'd think that I would actually gravitate more towards Adam because I am such an asshole myself. Um, but you know, I I love you both. Uh, I got I really got into podcasting because of you guys. Uh, and I know I've hit this a couple of times, but I'll do it again. Um, but listening to you guys and a couple others, Has really kind of spawned my love of doing this. And I figured if, if you guys could do this, then why the hell couldn't I? Uh, and that's not exactly. denigrating towards you at all. <laughs> Obviously, mine is shit compared to yours, but we'll we'll get into that later. Um, so, John, I invited you on uh, because of the movie choice you made, Black Hawk Down. Yes. Would uh, you like to explain why you had that choice?
1: Yeah, so um around the time that this movie came out, I got really big into reading military history. Um, it's kind of weird to say this, but uh, I, everyone, I feel like anyone who is into military history has like a favorite war or a favorite time <laughs> period. Like, <laughs> and so up up until up you know up for a while, I would I loved reading anything that had to do with the Civil War and Vietnam. For some reason, those two just I always like wanted to hear more and more information. Um, and and then around the time that I went to college, I started sort of getting into the more modern stuff. Um, Thinking about uh, the Gulf War, because I definitely remember um, when we went to, uh, you know, when we declared war on Saddam Hussein in Iraq, I actually remember hearing the declaration of war on my car radio and my mom being just kind of distraught that, oh God, we are going to war. You know, something that she only remembered from when she was a kid you know when vietnam was happening so that it was around that time that i started really getting into it and i read the book black hawk down and around that time is when i found out that the movie was coming out i actually didn't i hadn't read the book um or how do I remember, how am i going to phrase this i didn't read the book because the movie was coming out i happened to read the book and then they announced the movie was
0: coming so out. you did it the right way so it
1: <laughs> I did it the right way, and it had been kind of happened all around time. Um, and I, I went through a, a lot of different uh, books, mostly focused on the army, and that really wasn't meant – it was really not meant to be a slight on, on any of the other branches. Oh, you can slight them, John. The- it's
0: fine. Because <laughs> if you'd said anything else, oh, I'm sorry. It's all the time we've had for today. Uh, I kid, of course.
1: Uh, but – I read you know, a bunch of them. I read Mike Durant's book in The Company of Heroes. Um, oh, God. Um, there was there was another two that I can't think of off the top of my head. Um, but one of my favorite books, actually, it's probably my favorite book of all time, is uh, Eric L. Haney's Inside Delta Force. Ah, okay. And it really came down to, I was reading history... You know, I'm reading history, and I, I'm actually I've I've always been a fan of history, but I hate reading about it. Does that sound? Oh good? no, not at all. But that book was the first one where I was like, oh, this reads like a novel. This reads like a story. You know, it I I feel engaged all the way through. I'm I'm into this character, which is a real person, and that really kind of got me into it. And then when the movie came out, I was all about it, all about going to see it, and. I could already tell the differences between the book and the the movie, but I just I kind of fell in love with it.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, the mediums of how people got involved in recreations or really, as you said, you know, found their favorite wars. And I I like to say Vietnam is typically people's favorite wars because of uh, CCR, um, because (laughs) obviously Vietnam's got the best soundtrack of any war. I totally agree um, with that one. And it's sad because a lot of us uh, Global War of Terror um, veterans really are kind of pissed off because look at our, what we have um, comparatively. But, I mean, uh, and, and I agree. I, I was very much the same way growing up. Uh, I remember the very first uh, way of pulling in information was uh, television. Uh, I remember watching North and South, that dreadful miniseries with uh, Patrick oh. Swayze. Um, yes. But – it's what kind of piqued my interest civil war was cool um really because i had family on both sides um but for me world war ii uh band of brothers okay. was definitely the the the, pr- the pregenator of, the, of exactly why i uh became interested in 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 battle uh it helps my father was a tanker uh in the army um mm. which really just set the tone for me never joining the military look how well that turned out Um, but you know, he, he always went with the, well, you don't see me rolling around in a tank now, uh, in the outside, Mm -hmm. which thankfully that only happened like three or four times, um, where people are (laughs) driving around tanks. Um, but that was, that was the stigma of if you're in the military you're really not going to pull any skills that you're going to use on the outside uh thankfully that's not very true uh, especially with what i do yeah. and what a lot of guys do nowadays um it's it's very much competitive um but back back yeah. really on to the topic at hand so black hawk down was was of course uh regarding two days in october 1994 uh known as the battle of mogadishu um, which is uh in somalia 1993 oh, 1993 right? of course yeah right uh, see, I was testing you. Good job, John. <laughs> <coughs> Already making me look bad. Um, but uh, it really... I'm not a veteran either, so <laughs> I apologize. That's fine. Um, but the uh, it was Delta Force and Ranger Battalion uh, mm-hmm. went in to uh, take a uh, warlord from Somalia... Uh, Off the battle space Uh, He was a really bad dude Uh, He was taking, controlling a lot of the aid That was coming in through the Red Cross uh, Causing the starvation of literally hundreds of thousands of Somalis Uh, And honestly, if you look at the history now uh, And from then to now Not much has changed in Somalia Uh, Warlords have switched out But really it's still a very feudal type place to live in Um, So it's interesting to see that this is a movie that came out in 2001. It was about events that happened in 1993, and here we are in 2020, and not much has changed in the region. Um, And that's one of the things that I'll get into later into the podcast, Um, but uh, it really opens the, the door for people that aren't very in tuned with world events and world affairs uh, outside the United States uh, to see a window of what it would be like to live in a area of the world where you are at the beck and call of a warlord who could decide whether or not you or your family is eating that day. Um, And then Mm -hmm. you have the United States come barging in you know triumphantly to try to fix a situation but then you also have the on the other side what happens when strictures are put upon it um... so uh, that going ahead with blackhawk down we will go ahead and go into the five w's uh... again that's the who what where and when and why uh... we're all kind of go through the director the writer uh... the cast and uh... rotten tomatoes score okay so black hawk down came out in december of 2001 uh this kind of this is really important when it comes to uh the rotten tomatoes core i honestly feel like um which of course comes a couple of months after uh the events of 9-11 uh you and i both were uh in at an age that we definitely remember and it's still visceral uh this i
1: could i could probably recall everything that i did that day uh,
0: same here Uh, I wasn't quite as old as you, of course, Um, but uh, I did. (laughs) I'm an old man. That is true. (laughs) Uh, John uh, currently lives and taught where I grew up and uh, went to school uh, in Vegas, which is pretty awesome. Um, So, but yeah, that was definitely, I was 13 going on four or actually I was 14 years old at that point uh, in high school. My freshman year, Uh, I was in an ROTC class um, Ah. when the first towers were hit. Uh, so we, we, we got to watch the entire day. You had a bunch of teenagers that were wearing military uniforms. I also was getting ready to go to Civil Air Patrol, which is the Air Force exorally, kind of like their Boy Scouts uh, at Nellis. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that got canceled because nobody understood what was going on. But you had right. a, a bunch of 14-year-old all the way up to 18-year-old kids in uniform getting ready to go enlist that day. Yeah, um, so Black Hawk Down was directed by Ridley Scott. Uh, you may have remembered him from such films as you know, I don't know Alien, um, Gladiator, a couple others. You know, nothing really to yeah. write home about, of course. Small indie yeah, films. Sm- you, you probably wouldn't even know him <laughs> if he didn't go to Con. Um, and it was written by Ken Nolan. Now, interestingly enough. Uh, according to his Rotten Tomatoes uh, meter, which I pull all of my stuff from them. It's just a little bit easier for me as a repository of information. So his two other claims to fame were Only the Brave, which was the Josh Brolin firefighter movie with Miles Terror. Oh, yeah. And uh, Transformers The Last Knight. Oh dear God. Yeah, so only top-notch <laughs> projects from uh, Ken Nolan, and I, I, w- I won't <sighs> denigrate him too bad, but uh, he definitely can I feel like uh, transpose uh, based on true events movies pretty well. Hmm. Um, and the only issues that I see with his writing uh, we'll get into later. Um, again the the where Mogadishu Somalia uh, that's that's the central area and there's only a couple of cuts outside of that. Uh, from the movie uh, but that's where the events took place which is why 99% of the movies is done there uh, so the Rotten Tomatoes score I go with the critics and then the audience scores so the top critics gave it a 76% which is a certified fresh movie and uh, audience score of 88% now why okay. would you think if you, you had to guess uh, why it would have scores like that
1: um, well I mean it's as far as like the movie itself, it's it's not a perfect movie as far as uh, following it because there are so many characters, which makes it a little bit harder, I think, for the audience to follow. Which is probably what the critics didn't like about it. If I had to guess, like, I mean, I, I'm probably way off. No, I'm just going. No, watch.
0: I I feel the same. The character development wasn't there. I mean, in in a film like this, it's really hard to get good character development exactly. without doing a lot of you know. Uh, flashbacks and you know more foreshadowing and actually having time with the characters to get that i think that most movies that are based on a singular event uh, suffer the same kind of issues uh, zero dark 30 lone survivor uh, a lot of the military type movies have that have mm-hmm. that stigma uh and that kind of brings me to my next point i feel like the fact that it is a military movie um, there is a lot of war violence in it. I feel like that definitely denigrated a lot within the top critics. Uh, they don't tend to look kindly on gore uh, unless it's their type of gore, I guess, would be a good – a good. Well, well they're wrong. <laughs> I agree yeah. with that. Um, <laughs> but I, I feel like it definitely got the boost from, from 9-11. It was a timely movie, um, it, yeah. but it, it wasn't the trumpets blaring America propagandist – you know what 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 Soviets would do, you know, prior to or after mm-hmm. a war or a battle, where they would trumpet out some crazy pro-America. It, this this was a really emotional film uh, that showed these soldiers in situations where they didn't know that they were gonna make it out, I, and I felt like it was mm-hmm. very visceral. Um, so I, I definitely see this being in that time of we had all this patriotism, you know. Running around in the country because everyone was was just so angry about what was going on. Uh, but the way we channeled that was through seeing somebody else go through something similar, but still, you know, were was able to come out on the end. Um, so we'll go ahead and move on to something a little bit more interesting. I think is uh, the cast. Um, if if you haven't seen this movie, this is going to be spoilers uh, heavy. Uh, but if you haven't get out from underneath your rock and go see it uh it's a great movie um the cast shows off in a way that uh i hadn't watched this movie in a couple of years and in preparation for the podcast i watched it and i had forgotten how many great actors uh were actually in this film and funnily enough a lot of british actors which isn't a shock if you were to have seen band of brothers uh because a lot of these actors showed up in there as well um But we'll go ahead and go through who was in the movie. Obi-Wan Kenobi, uh, Ewan McGregor. uh, Josh Hartnett, what a heartthrob. Orlando Bloom, the pirate. Tom Sizemore, Eric Bannett, Tom Hardy, Bane. Jason Isaacs, Jeremy Piven, Nikolaj Wadu, you know, the Lannister himself. And uh, Brian Van Holt, whose claim to fame for me will always be the bad guy from kindergarten cop. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Uh, was there anybody in that in that or that I may have missed that you really stood out to you?
1: Well, this I mean, this movie was like a who's who of character actors. These guys who show up in all these movies who you're like, oh, I recognize him, but you don't ever really know his name. Um, other guys like William Fitchner yeah, um, who was the who was the the pilot in uh, Armageddon. Yeah, you know the guy who was going to set off the nuclear bomb and then they decided not to Uh, he shows up and he's been in all kinds of things uh ewan bremner who's uh i think a scottish actor who was in um well he was recently in the wonder woman
0: yeah and he was uh alien versus predator too i think he was in the in the first one too but yeah (laughs) shut up john (laughs) um i'm trying to remember
1: uh uh, glenn Morshower, who is a great character actor you see everywhere often always playing military guys so but you kind of have to have him in there. Um, I think you said Piven, right? Yeah,
0: he's one of the Black yeah. Hawk helicopter pilots.
1: Yeah. Uh, that always shocked me because I, I remember Piven from um, uh, PCU. PCU uh, Entourage is for me, but yeah. See, I never watched Entourage. I I, I didn't have HBO at the time that Entourage was on, so I never got into it.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely caught. The I remember DVDs. watching the but uh i I was definitely uh too young to have uh pulled in that 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 media when it was coming out you know i was doing more things like sopranos uh much better television um (laughs) what i thought was was funny was was taking these actors that you now have decades upon decades of their work and then going back and and seeing them portray these characters um and mm-hmm. and just how bad some of them really were. Uh, Jason Isaacs, you know, Lucius Malfoy himself uh, also was in the Patriot. I just talked about a couple mm-hmm. of episodes ago, but his nope. southern accent. Oh my God, how bad was that? <laughs> but I think maybe they were ca- they yeah. were cast more so for the the portrayal. I feel like they brought that that nuance yeah. to the film. Uh, for 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 a movie that didn't spend a lot of time on development, I feel like they put mm-hmm. the face in and said, "Okay, this guy could pull this off." Yeah,
1: well, I mean, Jason Isaacs is a an, an amazing actor, and um, it it is it's supposed to, from what I understand, it's supposed to be easier for um uh, British and Scottish actors to do Southern accents because it's closer to their accent. In I guess in terms of, of, of you, know, st- you know structure of the sounds and all that stuff, um, but apparently he was going for a very specific Texas accent, and, uh, and close eh, enough for government we, work.
0: Cl- exactly,
1: <laughs> exactly. Which
0: I can say because I do the government's work. Um, which <laughs> take that as you may. Um, what what that constitutes, but it, it's awesome. Um, so. Go ahead and moving on from the cast. Uh, is there anything that you'd like to point out first before we start jumping into some scenes? Um, again, what I typically do with this podcast is pick out a few scenes. I don't tend to go through the entire movie uh, that I find are inaccurate uh, on the screen uh, and then kind of give a commentary of what's afterwards or do you have any questions? John, obviously you are the war hero that you are, so you know everything <laughs> there is to know about military. Uh, and But I only... I only ask because uh, what tends to get lost in translation for civilians and military is, uh, and I don't know why, uh, maybe it's just our our charm and our lack of tact, (laughs) uh, but people don't tend to ask us questions, and when they do, they expect the call of duty answer, which is, yes, I did charge all of those machine gun nests with just a bayonet, (laughs) and yes, I'm standing here. Um, so, yeah, is there anything you want to you wanna ask or anything you want to hit on first? Not off the
1: top of my head, but I imagine once we get into talking about certain things, they will come up.
0: Okay. Um, so I'll go ahead and give you my initial, my initial point of view for this movie. Much like Uncommon Valor um, and some of The Patriot, it's really hard for me to pick out certain scenes that the tactics were just god-awful um they did a very good job and i honestly feel we touched on it previous to this uh because they had the source material there which was the book Mm -hmm. uh and the actors themselves went through a pretty lengthy consultancy uh, where they actually did boot camp quote unquote with uh, military consultants to give them that edge and you can definitely see it in how uh they reacted under contact which is under fire or when they would try to pie corners Uh, by that I mean, uh, you'll typically see dudes standing on a corner of a building, um, and in a lot of movies that don't get it right uh you'll just have the dude jump out from the corner and start blazing away that's a great way of dying um that only happened once or twice in the film for the most part these guys were doing it correct where they would have the guy and the guy beside him come out at a slight angle one guy going high one guy going low in order to give uh, an overlapping field of fire uh, and not giving away their entire body um So what I wanted to do was kind of go through some of the things that I feel were inaccurately portrayed um, that a lot of people probably wouldn't. I would start uh, with the relationship between the Rangers and the Delta Force guys. Now, when I say Rangers and Delta Force, John, because you're the civilian and I get to pick on you, what's the first thing (laughs) you you, you really just kind of viscerally think about when I name those two units?
1: viscerally think about i mean generally i guess i would say this um rangers trained but
0: young delta more experienced okay yeah that's that's it's pretty close um so rangers have this misconception so ranger school is actually a school So anybody that has the ability and a unit that will send them to the school can become Ranger certified. They will wear the tab on their shoulder that says Ranger on it. Now, the movie portrays a Ranger Battalion. That's a different story. Those are Rangers that are actually within a unit that is completely comprised of, with some few exceptions, of all Rangers. Now, Ranger School itself, and i get in trouble a lot with this because it's something as a as a non-commissioned officer it kind of irritates me ranger school really is just a very hardcore leadership school um okay. they they suck they hate life for uh 90 days or sometimes longer uh depending if they get recycled it's multiple different sections um not saying that the guys that don't go- get through it uh didn't earn it because yeah those dudes did um but a lot of credence is paid towards that singular tab that a lot of guys in the military would say may or may not be deserved uh if you were asked to be uh living in an awful situation uh, for long enough and you just had to stick it out and you were able to have heaped praise upon you and you get to get promoted over other people that may or may not have that school uh, depending on what that thing was, uh, you would say, yeah, okay, I get it. But just being able to endure terrible conditions doesn't necessarily mean you're a better leader than most. Um, so that's the first misconception. Um, so back to the the units. So Ranger Battalion, uh, typically those guys are... Um, Experienced, uh, from the leadership on down to the the squad leaders, which Everson, who is Joss Hart and his character, played the squad leader. Mm-hmm. He was also kind of the platoon sergeant, but we'll go with squad leader, who's the chalk leader for that uh, for that Black Hawk. Um, they're all experienced operators. Um, they. The Rangers and Delta both fall under what's called Special Operations Command, okay? So they're both under the exact same command. Now, there's a difference between Special Operations Command and the conventional army. I've never been a part of Special Operations Command, so when you ask me what I think of Visceral between those two units and, say, the units I've been a part of, I'd say they more look like you with the fact that they have beards and get to wear cool guy civilian clothes and have all the weapons and stuff that they want versus me who i get to hang out with uh, not all of that uh and not necessarily get all the cool guy stuff um there was reasons behind it of course uh special operations are very specialized units they're there for specific reasons they're not there for what the conventional army is which is to um go up against peer-to-peer threats or sometimes uh, under the peer so uh Example: Be Afghanistan or Iraq. Conventional forces are there to achieve an objective. Uh, special operations are um, uh, surgical; they have surgical reasons mm. for being there. Um, so, but Delta. So Delta. When when people think Delta, I always go back to, and I will name drop Matt Best. Love the hell out of you, Black Rifle co- Coffee, and. Uh, He does a lot of stuff on YouTube. Uh, He does a Mm -hmm. uh, a video where it's working out like an operator where he'll show how different Units within the Special Operations community work out. The Rangers over there, single arm deadlifting, you know, three hundred pounds while <laughs> chugging a, a bottle of Jameson while yelling Ranger. Um, whereas the Delta, it shows nothing—an empty gym—and then a dumbbell just drops out of the sky. You have no idea where it came from. That's Delta. Okay, <laughs> so Delta is kind of that is definitely the 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 spooky, mysterious. Uh, unit that you may or may not know about. You know of them mostly because of Chuck Norris, um, but... I was waiting for yeah, okay, it. I, I was going to Lee Marvin, of course, and definitely going to do that podcast <laughs> later. But much like anything else, when it comes to Chuck Norris, I am completely biased. So that'll be a very quick podcast. Um, but yeah, so Delta is a very specialized, more so than the Rangers. They, they're utilized for surgical missions where certain things have to happen. Um, they operate not under the exact same laws and guidance that a conventional army unit would. Um, and then Rangers are kind of that middle ground. Um, So the reason I bring all of these things up are the the relationship between the Rangers and Delta in this film is pretty much exactly what you see between conventional army and everybody that's associated with Special Operations Command. So any other conventional army unit would be the guys that are pulling security for cool guy, You know, dudes, to roll in on their shiny helicopters to do something. Okay, Um, they are the ones that are like, "Hey, dude, why are you here? Why are you? Why do you have a beard? Um, Why why do you get to wear five elevens and khakis and you know you get the weapons that nobody's ever heard of? Or worse yet, I wish I had a weapon that worked." That's that's the kind of communication you'd have. I I bring to, to focus the the scene where Eric Bana kind of jumps in front of uh orlando bloom's character blackburn when he's pulling the meat off the spit for the the dinner before the mission Mm -hmm. um and then isaac's character shows up the captain you know and kind of like hey man you you might be delta but you're not hot shit that's literally what happens (laughs) every day in the army for conventional dudes against delta or against the rangers (laughs) or against anybody else so the rangers wouldn't do that i mean there's There's definitely going to be some stigma of, I wish I was Delta if I were Rangers. That's kind of the the pecking order. And again, and I'll Mm -hmm. I'll kind of go back to say Delta and Rangers are Army-specific units uh, for special operations, much like the Navy has its SEALs, Marines have Force Recon, the Air Force has – yeah, so the Air Force has people um, (laughs) – (laughs) <laughs> they're, they're called para, uh, para, uh, paratrooper jumpers the pJs um yeah. PJs, yeah and then the Coast Guard they don't count um sorry space force oh, sp- space Guard. force has jedi um so you you have you have certain units associated with different branches because we have specialty missions that's the reason why we as branches exist um so you have this stigma between the rangers and and delta in here and this brings me to another one and this is going to go completely over your head uh because most people that aren't in the army don't know about this but the word hua fucking grates my ears okay (laughs) hua is the word that you're given to that really can mean two things hua can mean please shut the fuck up i don't want to hear it anymore or fuck you that's what those that means to any any soldier. It doesn't matter if they're conventional to special operations. That word has no place in the normal jargon of the army. You use that word when you're in basic training, and quickly once the the dew is off the lily and you know the guild's off the rose, and you hate life because you've been in the army for more than two and a half seconds, you stop using that fucking word. So every instance of the word hua from rangers no less killed me and like I said that's going to go over the heads of a lot of people but I swear to god if you go and talk to any active duty military member they all have their own word urah one for the marines yay like it a little mm-hmm. bit more because they like to eat crayons but they will probably say the same thing there is a there's just it's a nuance to the word where it just means, please shut the hell up. We don't care. Um, so th- It's funny to say that because I literally saw a picture
1: the other day of somebody who made a t-shirt that said, Oorah, and in between it was a picture of Crayola crayons. Oh, yeah.
0: No, they, they eat crayons. It's okay. And, and and the great thing is is each color crayon has its own special property. It's kind of like playing D&D with Marines, but it's fine. Uh, we love you. Oorah, all you Marine jarhead <laughs> dudes. And I can say that because I know of a couple... And uh, yeah, you guys are scary. Okay, there. We'll just say that. <laughs> uh, not really. The army's better. Um, we don't ride on navy equipment, and that's. I'll I'll end it at that. Um, but we love you. Uh, so uh, that 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 kind of goes into that inaccuracy. Is it that big of a deal? No. Um, I feel like again, based on the fact that there's little to no character development, you had to have some kind of conflict between your central protagonists and in this it's definitely feasible but if they had inserted any other unit other than the rangers for that and again this is all based on real world so obviously you wouldn't but if you were to take this and put this into a fictional account if you inserted any other conventional unit and replaced the delta with rangers or even kept them as delta it would have made total more sense Uh, and that that's all i'll go with with that um there were a couple of things uh actually during the battle that i'll get into um but i'll start with weapons so i don't really go into equipment much on this podcast um because really every unit has its ability to kind of augment how its equipment works. The only times I'll probably bring it up in, in future podcasts is if it's really glaring. Um, last, uh, the episode I did with the Patriot, I kind of tap danced around it cause I didn't really want to go into it as much as that. Um, but the use of a Kentucky long rifle versus a musket in the revolutionary war, obviously if you were using a Kentucky long rifle, you're probably using it in the civil war, uh, because that type of rifling didn't exist. Um, at that time, uh, so going into this film, uh, one of the gripes I have, uh, and this again coming from the conventional side, where it's harder than hell to get a weapon that works as well as it should, uh, and or not being able to utilize the equipment that you need, uh, seeing flagrant issues, and this is this is real life, but definitely was a lesson learned uh, from this this event, which was leaving equipment that you would need on every mission Mm -hmm. um john the the way i would equate this is if you're planning on taking a trip with your your family would you only fill up your car gas tank with just enough to get you there and maybe get you back or would you fill the whole damn thing up i would fill the whole damn thing right um and the reason for that is it's pretty simple we learned it in in boy scouts or really any kind of thing that you've done in your life always be over prepared better to be over prepared than under prepared uh and that brings me to the point of complacency um that i feel like is the major uh antagonist of this film was complacency um and why do i say that it goes from the equipment where they're leaving their nods not bringing enough water taking out their uh Am- their bulletproof plate out of their flak jacket, mm-hmm. which, trust me when I say this, those shits get heavy, um, and it's only gotten worse since nineteen ninety three. Um, but I would never, in my lifetime, take out any piece of equipment from my flak jacket that would allow me to survive. Mm. Um, realistically. No unit would ever leave without having their one sensitive items, which means if that were to get lost, you would be up shit's creek. Um, their nods, their night vision goggles, um, they would never leave without enough water to get them through at least two days. Uh, we call it our go bag, um, and that this water, that's ammunition, that's food, um, that's anything and everything we can think of contingency wise as to what we may or may not need, we're bringing it with us. Um, These guys had the opportunity of having their helicopters with them for most of this issue prior to actually everything kicking off. Um, So if you looked at their their mission scenario, they were only supposed to be there for 30 minutes. In, out, get on Mm. with life. Um, But in that time, they had planned on keeping their helos around for support. Um, So they very well could have left a lot of their stuff on the helicopter while having enough to get them through on their persons um and that's again it's something that's grading uh, inaccurate for us now um but for then when you are doing missions over and over and over again you're not really encountering much issue and you're planning on being back at the the garrison within 30 minutes eh, you could kind of see it
1: well, and my understanding was, so in, in addition to in, what I did to prepare for this episode is um, I did watch the movie. I actually watched the movie with uh, commentary from four vets who were in the mm-hmm. battle. Um, and then I also reread the book. Nice. Actually, I got about three-fourths of the way <laughs> through the book. Um, but so I, I actually just got to the point where uh, I think it's Captain Steel. Mm-hmm. They don't. They don't call him by his rank in the movie, so I can never remember exactly what it is. I think it's yeah. Captain. Still, that was Isaac's character. Who was, yeah, it was Isaac's character. Uh, for the first time ever for this mission, he allowed them to not take their night vision goggles. It was. It, it was one glaring thing that was bugging him throughout. At least that's what I'm getting from the book, was that he let. He basically let his second in command or somebody underneath him talk him out of telling them to take. night vision goggles and obviously regretted it later oh
0: yeah and 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 hindsight is definitely 2020 obviously um and and it's sort those sort of things that will stay with you um not saying any of that contributed directly to anybody (laughs) dying um but it's it's small mistakes like that that you feel like okay if i had just done that better i could have done everything else better too um and Mm so complacency definitely being one of the main antagonists insofar as if he was able to have been overridden by a second command of hey man look we're just going in and out we don't need this it's the middle of the day uh why in the hell are we going to do that then you know it it's it's a learning it's a learning curve that was pushed out to the force i guarantee it because again uh nowadays you go down range uh you're carrying everything but the kitchen sink uh, in your bag uh, and that's if you're going from one fob to another that's five minutes down the road uh, unlike the Hurt Locker where the dude just ran you know, in his hoodie uh, so <laughs> that definitely wouldn't happen uh, you, you, you over prepare for everything uh, for as many contingencies as you can um, because an axiom that was told before this, these events that would have assisted in this is no plan survives first contact um, and it's something that uh, I feel like may be a contributor because of the operations command uh, that were on, on, on the ground for this. Uh, they actioned the mission without actually having verified, guaranteed intelligence. In the, in the film, it says they had three sources corroborate. Um, you, I, I don't have the firsthand accounts on that. Uh, but I can tell you with what they showed in the film, and I I, I have, cannot remember from the book, um, they did not have three different types of intelligence sources corroborating where uh, a deed was. Um, and had they had actual pieces of in, of of separate intelligence, because um, what I saw from the film uh, was basically a singular source pointing at the area. Um, utilizing imagery, which was watching the car, having the signal from the dude, uh, and you could tell from the film was shit scared, and you, I guarantee, was was exactly that same way in real world events, um, because who yeah. wouldn't be in that situation? Um, I think I remember if I
1: remember um, in this correctly, the the guy didn't actually at first didn't wouldn't even actually go up to the building. Oh no, he went like a he went like a block from it, and then like refused to go any further. And then they had to like threaten that he wouldn't he wouldn't get any money if he didn't go up to it, and so it took them forever to actually get to the target building.
0: Well, what's what's interesting about it is it really kind of showcases the the issue of utilizing a source of intelligence from a person, because a person can be very easily swayed one way or the other. Uh, they were using money to get him to do what they wanted, but money is great once it's in your hands and you're not in harm's way when you're seeing pickup trucks with 50 cows attached to them running (laughs) by you and everyone staring at you things start to change focus a little bit uh so i definitely can't fault the guy i understand i wish the hell he hadn't Mm -hmm. done that um but i definitely i can't fault the man um So that brings me to my next point, uh, because it kind of goes along with with how they were viewing him, uh, which was through a camera that was attached to their their helicopters and through spoken word with a a microphone with the guy, was air support. So uh, the mission, as I I kind of went ahead and discussed a little bit earlier, uh, was supposed to be a pretty simplistic uh, infill By the delta guys to the target area find the prisoners pull the prisoners out through a mechanized convoy the rangers were going to infill uh utilizing ropes uh which is an air air insertion uh air assault guys from the 101st would say air assault yeah dude you inserted you actually didn't get fired upon while you were doing that except for in the movie it showed the dude shooting an rpg which he wouldn't be able to see by the way um and you know blackburn catching it you know that was the shortest amount of time you've ever seen orlando bloom in a movie other than i think maybe <laughs> the last pirates i don't remember i didn't watch it um but uh so that you had air support on hand uh, if you looked at the at the helicopters themselves uh the armaments were ridiculous <laughs> Uh, for most of the Blackhawks, they had the miniguns on either side, uh, and those that did not have them either had 240 Bravos, M60s, or uh, fifty Cal. Um, and then there was actually two Kiowa hel- attack helicopters that were running interference as well uh, that had 57 millimeter rockets as well as machine guns. So what we call that is close air support. Um, it's very uh, typically associated when you have boots on the ground because you typically want air support above you. Now, this was a uh, a textbook issue of urban warfare, and you probably saw it in the film. When you are encountering individuals that, one, are not wearing uniforms, two, are able to blend in very well with their environment because they live there, and three, have multiple vantage points that they could engage you uh either from the rooftops or within classrooms or within windows or rubble uh, it really has a a a dangerous issue of providing uh covering fire uh, especially when you're on the ground uh and i'll bring up ewan mcgregor obi-wan definitely said when you have the high ground you 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 can pretty much handle it um but in this case we're talking about armed militia guys Uh, from the warlord utilizing high ground to fire down upon the rangers and the delta dudes Um, so the close air support while utilized during the 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 initial portions of the mission um, once the first black hawk got hit and they brought in the second one and then that also got hit you really didn't see very much air support coming in until they had uh, engaged a lot more support from the outside um did you notice that or yes
1: but um i i I equated it to we needed to as far as the movie goes we had to follow the characters Mm -hmm. so all this extra stuff that probably was happening in the battle uh we couldn't have because then all we would be able to hear is just noise
0: yeah i that's fair um, and since we're reviewing the movie, I guess that makes more sense. Uh, but fine, John. Um, but I, So, what I'll say is yes, uh, because of the film, you're definitely following the individual soldiers where, where they were, and if the air support was u- being utilized in, say, today's kind of standards, when you have peop- uh, troops in contact a tick, you would see God move Earth in order to get those individuals mm. out. Um being that the era that it was going on where our politics were the rules of engagement which i'll bring up later but really isn't an uh, issue because we follow very similar ones uh in our current conflicts of having to be shot at first before we can engage um you would not likely see all of the armaments that could be brought to bear brought to bear on this situation um could it be because of the second and third order effects of what's the world going to think if we're short of nuking a city uh, to bring, mm-hmm. bring home what amounts to be 40 dudes? Um, when it comes to the popular side, though, we will stop everything and try to find one person. And mm-hmm. the reason why we do that is one – when it comes to the military you don't leave a fallen comrade you don't leave anyone behind and that is one thing that does piss me off about the movie is there are multiple times in the film that you see dudes get left get left behind chaos of battle yeah it happens but ne- never would you leave one dude you know when when you and mcgregor's character drops off blackburn you know grimes drops off blackburn at the the convoy and he sees his other mm-hmm. three dudes tailing, saying hey come on no that would not happen um because when you get one dude isolated that person can be used uh against you uh if that person's taken captive captive that's a pow they can use him for information or they can use him nowadays for um political reasons not just pow but if say they're doing something which does happen a lot where we may not want media coverage associated with it and they show an american soldier in gear with weapons in this area uh, that's extremely dangerous uh, to where we are uh, in within the world Um, so it's one of those things of as soon as this were to have occurred for me it would be two things happened. One, the commander at the airport did not have an idea in his head that this could have occurred. Complacency sat in. This is going to be an in and out. Had no contingency planned. Uh in the film he discusses bringing a uh, gunship, uh AC-130, which really if you've never seen one of those it's a uh battleship that flies. Fucking incredible. Um but they didn't they turned him down because of the 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 optics of the area didn't think they need it uh this associated with the real world why that occurred is because about three weeks earlier i believe uh they were trying to take down the same guy uh they had intelligence saying that this dude was in a house they decimated the home and reports on the ground where women and children were killed um, mm. So we don't tend to do that. Uh, those are our concerns that we don't like uh, because we are the good guys. Uh, we, are, we are the ones that attempt to do as little damage to wherever we're fighting as possible because we're not fighting the populace. We're fighting a group of bad guys. Uh, and, and that's right. what this film really kind of shined a light on and I, what I really enjoyed. Um, but back to the close air support Definitely could have been done better. Um, the film, that, you know, focuses on these characters, but at no time would if there was an active gunship would not be there firing upon the the crowds to give these guys the ability to, at the very least, get away or back them up enough that they'd have the ability to set up more defensible position in order to get out.
1: I think I heard uh, listening to. I believe, uh, I believe it was Colonel Tom Matthews, who was one of the pilots mm-hmm. there that day, uh, said that the uh, the little birds, the attack uh, yeah. helicopters, basically ran eighteen hours yeah. straight in the actual battle, and only went back to rearm. Yeah. They didn't even go back to refuel. They just went back to no. rearm, and then just went straight
0: back yeah. out. Um, it's it's one of those things where you know we don't like having people away. Uh, And this situation is a a nightmare for people on the ground. Um, The only one, only event I would say that's probably close to this is Ayn Drang, uh, the We Were Soldiers battle, um, where you Mm. saw these chopper pilots just getting ate up um, to get their dudes back or to provide support. Um, But honestly, other than that one kind of tactical error, that there would likely be a better focusing of attack in order to provide a little bit more covering, uh, I didn't really see any other tactical issues uh, with the film. Um, Again, going to kind of equipment nitpicky crap, uh, (laughs) the weapon systems utilized by these guys, uh, the Delta, you guys, you saw the M4 carbines, which are the shorter smaller weapons, which Mm -hmm. everyone sees as an AR-15 now for the civilians, Um, a lot of those guys either had an optic on or they didn't. Everybody would have optics. Uh, Nobody would be running iron sights uh, because Mm -hmm. those types of weapons are used in close quarters. You don't have time to actually have a good sight picture uh, utilizing iron sights. (laughs) The Rangers, similarly... The, the ones that had the uh, m16a3s which were the ones that had the, the squared off uh, ar- uh hand rest um you you would you saw some that had the the 204 which is the grenade launcher um mm-hmm. i'm sorry 203 203 which is the grenade launcher and then the um uh the extended mags but they didn't have optics Uh, Again, if we're talking about a ranger battalion uh, and we already know that, yeah, they did leave nods and other things, those guys are usually outfitted to the gills. Uh, So they would have access to better equipment um, just based on, on personal experience with these guys. And again, we're talking about previous to the GWAT era, so definitely equipment was an issue. I am certain. But again, that's nitpicky crap. That if you were to put it into today's standard, um, the the weapon system that I I carried, which was just an M4 with an M68, which is a reflex sight, um, the the Ranger dudes would be carrying, you know, Sig Sauer uh, AR platforms with every laser. A cog that you can think of, uh, because again, they're a specialized unit. They need better tools in order to execute the job. Um, I know you're you're really into weapons, John. So, is there anything you wanted to point out?
1: Um, well, I was kind of actually I was going through the looking through the list of stuff that you see in the film. Um, I didn't notice too much, although I was. I found it interesting and I don't know if this is true in real life and I was actually going to bring this up um, so I'll ask this first before I talk about this but what was uh, how did you feel that they um, or let me rephrase the question do you feel like they did a good job portraying um, Shugart and Gordon no I did not the two. No oh, really? Oh, really okay but go ahead well I, I, the problem is is I think they didn't get as much time as they probably deserved on mm-hmm. film but in in a in a movie where you're having to show the entire battle, I mean, you could probably make if you did a whole movie based on just what happened with I'd say like maybe just specifically on Mike uh-huh. Durant, you would spend a lot more time with what happened with Shugard right. and Gordon, and I I don't I don't think that they they didn't spend more time because they didn't want to. It's just that they
0: couldn't. Right. Or, or else we're gonna end up with like a three or four hour movie, which that wouldn't be a bad thing. I'm just I'm just saying. <laughs> just give, give give me more. Give give me give me give me all the things. <laughs> well, I mean, this movie came out around the same time as the
1: first Lord of the Rings movie, which was clocked in at like three exactly. hours. Exactly, and so. if you
0: go to the extended edition, you you had to install a toilet that you were sitting on in order to watch the damn movie. <laughs> so why in the hell not?
1: That is fair, um, but it shows. Uh, I think Shugart... I can't remember which one. Yeah, Shugart sh- uh, using an M14, mm-hmm. and I wonder if that is what he was actually yeah. using.
0: So the M14 was was the was the longer range uh, weapon system. Uh, it was separate. They would use it as the tactical snipers. Uh, so that if they could not replace okay. them uh, with the 308. Uh, they would use this. The, well, I would say they probably go a thirty-eight six at that time. Um, so if they couldn't place that guy, uh, so the tactical sniper would use the M um, fourteen. It's got a longer barrel on it. It's got the the better stock. Uh, his optic on there was used to be counter sniper. Uh, so quick movement, okay. being able to engage multiple targets and multiple times. Um, it definitely uh, his weapon system was accurate only so far as what his job was um right my issues were, were for for other equipment were like using m60s uh there was a couple of the dudes that were ro- rocking the pig uh which i love i i love the hell out of that <laughs> weapon but at that time i feel like the 240s probably were more apt to be utilized in that um okay really just because longer barrel better rate of fire uh you didn't have to change it out as much um the, and just how some of the humvees had had m60s attached some had it, uh the 50 cal mal uh i feel like they definitely would have swapped out the m60 at that point the squad machine gunners definitely could see it um and even then you had dudes that were rocking the 249 uh and then you had dudes that were rocking the the m60 uh but again nitpicky shit uh, if that if that squad, uh, if the battalion had decided, screw the 240, we don't like that newfangled shit, give me the pig that I can throw sawdust <laughs> into the barrel and it'll still fire. Hey, man, more right. more power to you. Um, I know personally, I don't like the 249 uh, because my M4 fires the same round. Um, yeah, the 249 has a better rate of fire, but I don't. If I want to use a machine gun, I want it to have the same kind of punch. Uh, that my uh, adversary does, uh, which um. those guys are rocking seven six two by five four, in everything they fire. Um, we're we're rolling we're rolling five five six NATO. Um, so the right. the, the two forty gives us that ability. Uh, give me the modus all day long, uh, because that that honey will take care of any problem. That uh, that. <laughs> It's really
1: funny that you say that because uh, there is one person in the book uh, who I think is Delta, um, and I am not going to mention his name because he was a real person. Mm-hmm. But half of the time that you read his part in the book, he's complaining about the five oh, five yeah. six, and he's just he's like, "Why are we using this stupid round?" And
0: yeah, like, it's it's the same reason why we went away from the forty five caliber pistol to the nine mil, uh, because it was easier to level the bubble across the board for you uh, for NATO. Uh, forces uh, so that I mm. could pick up the same nine millimeter that the German is, uh, and I'd be able to fit mm-hmm. it. Um, thankfully, I only carried a Beretta for half of my time. I carried the, the SIG <laughs> 320 now, uh, which is awesome. And I have the two civilian variants, uh, which I won't name where I got, um, but thank you. Uh, <laughs> Realistically, uh, you can buy the, the 320 uh, at any gun shop now, uh, except right now you probably can't find it anywhere because, you know. It, right it's, now
1: you can't find anything. I, it's
0: ridiculous. Um, I, don't it I don't know how it is
1: for you, but uh, I tried to find ammo today, <laughs> and they are out of
0: uh, I'm, I'm going to probably start making a slingshot at this point because I feel <laughs> woefully inadequate with my ammunition, and it's not getting any better, uh, hopefully next year. Um, but back to the 5.56, 5. yeah, if you talk to any any uh, guy that lugs around an M4, he will tell you he'd much rather have a 7.62 uh, for everything except weight. Um, hmm. I personally just picked up an AR-10 in the 308, uh and loaded... Uh, basic combat load which is seven magazines for ar-10 you have 25 round magazines compared to the 30 and the eight a- uh, the m4 um and there is a i would say 30 pound weight difference between the 556 and the wow. 308 they are very heavy we- uh and am- uh rounds uh so lugging those bastards around all the time would suck um so <laughs> i can i can see the 556 but most people, and I think this really goes back to World War II, if you were to tell me tomorrow I could choose between the M4 and the M1, I would give the M1 every single time uh, because that 30-odd-6 round would put everybody on their ass within one round. Uh, and I don't have to worry about continuing to fire because after I see pink miss with that, we're done. We're, we're good. Um, <laughs> and that's that's all I have to say about that. Um so again overall really it's it's a well done movie uh for for Mm -hmm. tactics uh they were they really tried to be faithful there's a lot of hollywood uh again ken nolan from you know the creator of transformers the last night you know that has to be the greatest um order of his day when it comes to, to action films um, I know there was a couple of people uh, from some of the sites that I was doing some research on that were saying um, a lot of the, the technical fights where they had the pickup trucks with the, with the uh, you know 50 cals rolling up and, and causing issues, mm-hmm. a lot of that wasn't the case. Um, mm-hmm. But again, you're talking about trying to keep the interest of people that aren't you know as staunch a historians as some uh, and the best way to do that is to you know put Ewan McGregor on his ass three or four times after you know (laughs) narrowly getting missed by RPGs um, which again wouldn't fucking happen but regardless um, (laughs) it really is it's it's a a stand up flick it's one that should be rewatched if you haven't seen it before Um, and I really enjoyed it Um, John do you have any final thoughts? Um,
1: well, yeah. There's no. I think there's no mystery. I, I do. I do love this film. Um, it helped kind of spark uh, a love of uh, military history that is still continues today. Um, I still try to do research on things, and has you know, sparked a love in other interests. <laughs> I'll say that. Um, and it's it's what's funny because I, I look at it as a, it was a gateway into learning about the real world. Um, some of my favorite things to do. I actually, I like to watch the behind the scenes stuff of this movie more than I actually like (laughs) watching the movie itself. Uh, So I do watch a a lot of that or or any, anything, any documentary on the actual event. So, uh, uh, I mean, I love, I love the movie and yeah, there are inaccuracies. Um, but it is, I think it's a good depiction of what happened on that day, especially because I kind of remember and i probably should have brought this up earlier um I kind of remember the photo of Mike Durant Mm -hmm. being shown on the news when when his video was released when he was in captivity Mm -hmm. um I remember the first time I saw the actual picture I think when I was reading the book because I think it was inside the book um like this happens a lot with a lot of the military books I read they'll have the book and then the very center of the book there's a whole bunch of pages with just pictures stuff and they had Mike trans picture and i jarred a memory i'm like god i think i remember seeing that on the news um i would have been this is 93 i would have been 12 yeah i was almost 13 at the time so i probably wasn't i wasn't actively watching the news but probably my one of my you know my mom or my dad had the news on and seeing that on there all, all of a sudden i just was flooded back with oh god i think i remember roughly when this was happening. I was not cognizant of it, especially because they didn't really... I don't remember being told a whole lot about it, about the actual event. Now, granted, I was a kid, so I probably wouldn't have cared either way. I just wanted to go hang out with my friends. That's yeah, a joke I didn't <laughs> have. Um, I, no, I had acquaintances. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. No, I had friends. Um, but I think it's a a great depiction of the event it's not it's not, it's not a documentary but
0: it, then again it's not meant to be a documentary it's still a hollywood film in the end right so and if nothing else it it, it brought people's awareness to an event that may have not have mm-hmm. been um and mm-hmm. uh any awareness to the plight of soldiers on the battlefield i'm okay with um unless it's the mm-hmm. hurt locker uh but uh that's which is funny because I know
1: my brother vehemently disagrees and with And that's me.
0: fine. Uh, I, I've, I've said it in the past. Uh, anybody <laughs> that can show me that they can single arm curl one, one, five, five round one, not five, which is what they show in the movie, then you and I can have a conversation and I will acquiesce. Um, but at this point, I've not seen that yet. Um, of course, I'll probably get like five or six videos saying, come at me, bro. Um, but that's OK. This is my podcast. Um, but uh, John I really appreciate you having you on and uh, thank you for being my my guinea pig on this and uh, I I definitely suggest to everybody that's listening if you have not picked up uh, the blast from our past podcast with John um, and anything else that he is involved in, definitely get there and listen to it. Uh, he is way better than what he showcased here. John, you were terrible, and you are probably getting me canceled. Um, but definitely look him up. Uh, look up uh, everything that, that the brothers spees are involved in, and uh, John, I really appreciate it. Thank
1: you. I appreciate that, that you allowed me allowed me you know a, a civvy. Well, with no, with no military background to come be your first guest
0: on this. Well, podcast. I set the bar low, John, so everything else go. is. You great. can only
1: go high You can only go exactly. up from here.
0: Um, but uh, other than that, please like and subscribe. Um, I'm on all podcasting mediums now, including Apple and Google. Um, please review me uh and uh leave a uh a five star review if you liked it uh if you want to leave me a one star just don't uh it's probably better that way um but give me any honest feedback i'm on facebook at you call those tactics uh also a uh on email please send me any uh feedback you have uh and that being said anything else there john uh (coughs) sorry Sorry as i choke
1: on myself (laughs) um
0: uh oh shit no <laughs> uh perfect perfect way to end it i was it.
1: gonna i was gonna make another plug i was gonna make another plug but then i decided that you've already done your outros i'm like i don't need to i don't need to okay anything.
0: uh well that's that's all for now uh please see us back next week on you call those tactics and stay frosty yeah. Ooh. Ooh, right. oh god <laughs> excellent <laughs> Hello! Welcome back to You Call Those Tactics. This is episode four, uh, and uh, like I've been saying the last couple of weeks, uh, we're going to do something a little different now. I'm finally having a guest. Uh, you know me, I'm Sergeant Ken, and I have John Spees uh, from the Blast From Our Past podcast, uh, and he's my first victim, I mean uh, guest. Uh, John?
1: Uh, You can call me Captain Crunch. Uh, Captain Crunch. Outstanding. No, I'm kidding. Don't call me Captain (laughs) Crunch. It's Admiral. It's Admiral Uh, (laughs) Sorry, this isn't the Navy. Um, (laughs) So my name is John. Um, I am one half of the Blast From Our Past podcast that I do with my brother Adam. Uh, We do kind of a nostalgic look back of... Now we just kind of say media from our childhood. It, It started out as just kind of movies and TV shows, and it's blossomed into... Uh, We do album reviews from the music from around the 80s, 90s, 70s a little bit too, and we do fun top, top 10 episodes. We just kind of look for anything to talk about that has to do with our childhood and sort of the nostalgia we feel for those times.
0: And I would definitely say you're the better half of the of the two. Uh, your brother Adam. I'm the nicer exactly. Half, definitely sure. the nicer half. And you'd think that I would actually gravitate more towards Adam because I am such an asshole myself. Um, but you know, I I love you both. Uh, I got I really got into podcasting because of you guys. Uh, and I know I've hit this a couple of times, but I'll do it again. Um, but listening to you guys and a couple others, it's really kind of spawned my love of doing this. And I figured if if you guys could do this, then why the hell couldn't I? Uh, and that's not denigrating exactly. towards you at all. <laughs> Obviously, mine is shit compared to yours, but we'll we'll get into that later. Um, so, John, I invited you on uh, because of the movie choice you made, Black Hawk Down. Yes. Would uh, you like to explain why you had that choice?
1: Yeah, so um, around the time that this movie came out, I got really big into reading military history. Um, it's kind of weird to say this, but... Uh, everyone, I feel like anyone who is into military history has like a favorite war or a favorite time <laughs> period. <laughs> like, and so up up until up and you know up for a while, I would I loved reading anything that had to do with the Civil War and Vietnam. For some reason, those two just I always like wanted to hear more and more information. Um, and and then around the time that I went to college, I started sort of getting into. The more modern stuff. Um, thinking about uh, the Gulf War, because I definitely remember um, when we went to, uh, you know, when we declared war on Saddam Hussein and Iraq, I actually remember hearing the declaration of war on my car radio and my mom being just kind of distraught that, oh God, we are going to war. You know, something that she. Only remembered from when she was a kid, you know, when Vietnam was happening. So that it was around that time that I started really getting into it and I read the book Black Hawk Down. And around that time is when I found out that the movie was coming out. I actually didn't, I hadn't read the book. Um, or how do I, remember, how am I going to phrase this? I didn't read the book because the movie was coming out. I happened to read the book and then they announced the movie was coming So out. you did it the right way. So it, I did it the right way, and it had kind of happened all around time. Um, and I, I went through a, a lot of different uh, books, mostly focused on the army, and that really wasn't meant – it was really not meant meant to be a slight on, on any of the other branches. Oh, you can it slight them, John. The... It's fine.
0: Because <laughs> if you'd said anything else, oh, I'm sorry. It's all the time we've had for today. Uh, I kid, of course.
1: Uh, but – I read you know a bunch of them. I read Mike Durant's book in the Company of Heroes. Um, oh God, um, there was there was another two that I can't think of off the top of my head. Um, but one of my favorite books, actually, it's probably my favorite book of all time, is uh, Eric L. Haney's Inside Delta Force. Ah, okay. And it really came down to, I was reading history. You know, I'm reading history, and I, I'm actually, I've, I've always been a fan of history, but I hate reading about it. Does that sound oh, weird? No, no, not at all. But that book was the first one where I was like, oh, this reads like a novel. This reads like a story. You know, it, I, I feel engaged all the way through. I'm I'm into this character, which is a real person. And that really kind of got me into it. And then when the movie came out, I was all about it, all about going to see it and... Um, I could already tell the differences between the book and the, and the movie, but I just I kind of fell in love with it.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, the mediums of how people got involved in recreations or really, as you said, you know, found their favorite wars. And I I like to say Vietnam is typically people's favorite wars because of uh, CCR, um, because <laughs> obviously Vietnam's got the best soundtrack of any war. I totally agree Um, with that one. And it's sad because a lot of us uh, Global War of Terror um, veterans really are kind of pissed off because look at what we have um, comparatively. But, I mean, uh, and and I agree. I I was very much the same way growing up. Uh, I remember the very first uh, way of pulling in information was uh, television. Uh, I remember watching North and South, that dreadful miniseries with uh, Patrick Swayze. Um, yes. But it's what kind of piqued my interest. Civil War was cool, um, really, because I had family on both sides. Um, but for me, World War II. Uh, Band of Brothers okay. was definitely the, 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 pr- the pregenator of, the, of exactly why I uh, became interested in, in, in battle. Uh, it helps my father was a tanker uh, in the Army, um, mm. which really just set the tone for me never joining the military. Look how well that turned out. Um, <laughs> but you know, he, he always went with the, well, you don't see me rolling around in a tank now uh, in the outside, mm. which thankfully that only happened like three or four times um, where <laughs> people are driving around tanks. Um, but that was that was the stigma of if you're in the military, you're really not going to pull any skills that you're going to use on the outside uh thankfully that's not very true uh, especially with what i do yeah. and what a lot of guys do nowadays um it's it's very much competitive um but back back yeah. really onto to the topic at hand so black hawk down was was of course uh regarding two days in october 1994 uh known as the battle of mogadishu um, which is uh in somalia 1993 oh, 1993 right? or of course you right uh, see, I was testing you. Good job, John. <laughs> <coughs> Already making me look bad. Um, but uh, it really... I'm not a veteran either, so <laughs> I That's fine. Um, but the uh, it was Delta Force and Ranger Battalion uh, mm-hmm. went in to uh, take a uh, warlord from Somalia... Uh, off the battle space Uh, he was a really bad dude Uh, he was taking controlling a lot of the aid that was coming in through the Red Cross uh, causing the starvation of literally hundreds of thousands of Somalis Uh, and honestly if you look at the history now uh, and from then to now not much has changed in Somalia Uh, warlords have switched out but really it's still a very feudal type place to live in Um, so it's interesting to see that this is a movie that came out in 2001 it was about events that happened in 1993 and here we are in 2020 and not much has changed in the region um and that's one of the things that i'll get into later into the podcast um but uh it really opens the the door for people that aren't very in tuned with world events and world affairs uh outside the united states uh to see a window of what it would be like to live in a area of the world where you are at the beck and call of a warlord who could decide whether or not you or your family is eating that day um, and then mm-hmm. you have the United States come barging in you know triumphantly to try to fix a situation but then you also have the on the other side what happens when strictures are put upon it um, so uh, that going ahead with black hawk down we'll go ahead and go into the five w's uh again that's the who what where and when and why uh, Where I'll kind of go through the director the writer uh the cast and uh, rotten tomatoes score okay so black hawk down came out in december of 2001. uh this kind of this is really important when it comes to uh the rotten tomatoes core i honestly feel like um, which of course comes a couple of months after uh, the events of 9-11. Uh, you and I both were uh, in at an age that we definitely remember, and it's still visceral. Uh, this I could I could probably recall everything that I did that day. Uh, same here. Uh, I wasn't quite as old as you, of course, um, but uh, <laughs> I did. I am an old man. That is true. <laughs> uh, John uh, currently lives and taught where I grew up and uh, went to school uh, in Vegas, which is pretty awesome. Um, So, but yeah, that was definitely, I was 13 going on four or actually I was 14 years old at that point uh, in high school, my freshman year, Uh, I was in an ROTC class um, Ah. when the first towers were hit. Uh, so we, we, we got to watch the entire day. You had a bunch of teenagers that were wearing military uniforms. I also was getting ready to go to civil air patrol, which is the air force exactly kind of like their boy scouts, uh, at Nellis. Mm -hmm. And of course that got canceled because nobody understood what was going on. But you had a, a bunch of 14 year old all the way up to 18 year old kids in uniform getting ready to go enlist that day. Yeah, um, so Black Hawk Down was directed by Ridley Scott. Uh, you may have remembered him from such films as you know, I don't know Alien, um, Gladiator, a couple others. You know, nothing really to yeah. write home about, of course. Small indie. Yes, yeah, so, you, you probably wouldn't even know him <laughs> if he didn't go to Con. Um, and it was written by Ken Nolan. Now, interestingly enough. Uh, according to his Rotten Tomatoes uh, meter, which I pull all of my stuff from them, it's just a little bit easier for me as a repository of information. So his two other claims to fame were Only the Brave, which was the Josh Brolin firefighter movie with Miles Terror, oh, yeah. and uh, Transformers The Last Knight. Oh dear God. Yeah, so only top-notch projects from uh, Ken Nolan, and I, I, w- I won't denigrate him too bad, but uh, he definitely can i feel like uh transpose uh based on true events movies pretty well Hmm. um and the only issues that i see with his writing uh we'll get into later um again the the where mogadishu somalia uh that's that's the central area and there's only a couple of cuts outside of that uh, from the movie uh, but that's where the events took place which is why 99% of the movies is done there uh, so the Rotten Tomatoes score I go with the critics and then the audience scores so the top critics gave it a 76% which is a certified fresh movie and uh, audience score of 88% now why would you think if you, you had to guess uh, why it would have scores like that um,
1: well I mean it's as far as like the movie itself, it's it's not a perfect movie as far as uh, following it because there are so many characters, which makes it a little bit harder, I think, for the audience to follow. Which is probably what the critics didn't like about it, if I had to guess. I mean, I, I'm probably way off. No, I'm just going. No, right.
0: I I feel the same. The character development wasn't there. I mean, in in a film like this, it's really hard to get good character development exactly. without doing a lot of you know. Uh, flashbacks and you know more foreshadowing and actually having time with the characters to get that i think that most movies that are based on a singular event uh, suffer the same kind of issues uh, zero dark 30 lone survivor uh, a lot of the military type movies have that have that mm-hmm. stigma uh and that kind of brings me to my next point i feel like the fact that it is a military movie um, there is a lot of war violence in it. I feel like that definitely denigrated a lot within the top critics. Uh, they don't tend to look kindly on gore uh, unless it's their type of gore, I guess, would be a good... a good. Well, well they're wrong. I agree with that. <laughs> um, but I, I feel like it definitely got the boost from, from 9-11. It was a timely movie, um, it, yeah. but it, it wasn't the trumpets-blaring America propagandist... You know what 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 Soviets would do, you know, prior to or after mm-hmm. a war or a battle, where they would trumpet out some crazy pro-America. It, this this was a really emotional film uh, that showed these soldiers in situations where they didn't know that they were going to make it out, I, and I felt like it was mm-hmm. very visceral. Um, so I, I definitely see this being in that time of we had all this patriotism, you know. Running around in the country because everyone was was just so angry about what was going on. Uh, but the way we channeled that was through seeing somebody else go through something similar, but still, you know, or, was able to come out on the end. Um, so we'll go ahead and move on to something a little bit more interesting. I think is uh, the cast. Um, if if you haven't seen this movie, this is going to be spoilers uh, heavy. Uh, but if you haven't get out from underneath your rock and go see it. Uh it's a great movie. Um the cast shows off in a way that uh I hadn't watched this movie in a couple of years and in preparation for the podcast I watched it and I had forgotten how many great actors uh were actually yeah. in this film and funnily enough a lot of British actors which isn't a shock if you were to have seen Band of Brothers uh because a lot yeah. of these actors showed up in there as well. Um, But we'll go ahead and go through who was in the movie. Obi-Wan Kenobi, uh, Ewan McGregor. Uh, Josh Hartnett, what a heartthrob. Orlando Bloom, the pirate. Tom Sizemore, Eric Bannett, Tom Hardy, Bane. Jason Isaacs, Jeremy Piven, Nikolaj Wadu, you know, the Lannister himself. And uh, Brian Van Holt, whose claim to fame for me will always be the bad guy from Kindergarten Cop.
1: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah.
0: Uh, was there anybody in that in that or that I may have missed that you really stood out to you?
1: Well, this I mean, this movie was like a who's who of character actors. These guys who show up in all these movies who you're like, oh, I recognize him, but you don't ever really know his name. Um, other guys like William Fitchner yeah, um, who was the who was the the pilot in uh, Armageddon. Yeah, you know the guy who was going to set off the nuclear bomb and then they. Decided not to. Uh, he shows up and he's been in all kinds of things. Uh, Ewan Bremner, who's uh, I think a Scottish actor who was in. Um, well, he was recently in the Wonder Woman.
0: Yeah, and he was uh, Alien Pist- versus Predator too. I think he was in that in the okay. first one too. But yeah. I didn't see that one.
1: <laughs> Shut up, John. <laughs> um, I'm trying to remember. Uh, uh, Glenn Morshower, yeah. who is a great character actor, you see everywhere, often always playing military right. guys. So you kind of have to have him in there. Um, I think you said Piven, right? Yeah,
0: he's one of the Black yeah. Hawk helicopter pilots.
1: Yeah, uh, that always shocked me because I, I remember Piven from um, uh, PCU. PCU uh, Entourage is for me, but yeah. See, I never watched Entourage. I I, I didn't have a HBO at the time that Entourage was on, so I never got into it.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely caught. The I remember DVDs. watching the but uh, I, oh, yeah. I was definitely uh, too young to have uh, pulled in that, that, that media when it was coming out. You know, I was doing more things like right. Sopranos. Uh, much better television. Um, <laughs> what I thought was, was funny was, was taking these actors that you now have decades upon decades of their work and then going back and, and seeing them portray these characters um, – and, and just how bad some of them really were uh, Jason Isaacs you know Lucius Malfoy himself uh, also was in the Patriot I just talked about a couple mm-hmm. of episodes ago but his yep. southern accent oh my God how bad was that <laughs> But I think maybe they were ca- they yeah. were cast more so for the the portrayal. I feel like they brought that that nuance yeah. to the film. Uh, for for Sorry. for a movie that didn't spend a lot of time on development, I feel like they put mm-hmm. the face in and said, "Okay, this guy could pull this off." Yeah,
1: well, I mean, Jason Isaacs is a an, an amazing actor, and um, it it is it's supposed to, from what I understand, it's supposed to be easier for um, uh, British and Scottish actors to do Southern accents because it's closer to their accent. In I guess in terms of, of, of you, know, st- you know structure of the sounds and all that stuff, um, but apparently he was going for a very specific Texas accent, and, uh, and close uh, enough for government we, work. Cl- exactly, <laughs> exactly. Which
0: I can say because I do the government's work. Um, which <laughs> take that as you may. Um, what what that constitutes, but it, it's awesome. Um, so. Go ahead and moving on from the cast. Uh, Is there anything that you'd like to point out first before we start jumping into some scenes? Um, Again, what I typically do with this podcast is pick out a few scenes. I don't tend to go through the entire movie uh, that I find are inaccurate uh, on the screen uh, and then kind of give a commentary of what's afterwards or do you have any questions? John, obviously you are the war hero that you are, so you know everything (laughs) there is to know about military. uh, But I only... I only ask because uh, what tends to get lost in translation for civilians and military is, uh, and I don't know why, uh, maybe it's just our, our charm and our lack of tact, uh, <laughs> but people don't tend to ask us questions, and when they do, they expect the call of duty a- answer, which is, yes, I did charge all of those machine gun nests with just a bayonet, and yes, I'm standing here. Um, so yeah, is there anything you wanna you wanna ask or anything you wanna hit on first?
1: Not off the top of my head, but I imagine once we get into talking about certain things, they will come up.
0: Okay, um, so I'll go ahead and give you my initial my initial point of view for this movie. Much like Uncommon Valor um, and some of the Patriot, it's really hard for me to pick out certain scenes that the tactics were just. God awful. Um, They did a very good job. And I honestly feel we touched on it previous to this uh, because they had the source material there, which was the book. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the actors themselves went through a pretty lengthy consultancy uh, where they actually did boot camp, quote unquote, with uh, military consultants to give them that edge. And you can definitely see it in how uh, they reacted under contact, which is under fire, or when they would try to pie corners. Uh, By that I mean uh, you'll typically see dudes standing on a corner of a building, um, and in a lot of movies that don't get it right – uh, you'll just have the dude jump out from the corner and start blazing away. That's a great way of dying. Um, that only happened once or twice in the film. For the most part, these guys were doing it correct, where they would have the guy and the guy beside him come out at a slight angle. One guy going high, one guy going low in order to give, uh, an overlapping field of fire, uh, and not giving away their entire body, um, So what I wanted to do was kind of go through some of the things that I feel were inaccurately portrayed um, that a lot of people probably wouldn't. I would start uh, with the relationship between the Rangers and the Delta Force guys. Now, when I say Rangers and Delta Force, John, because you're the civilian and I get to pick on you, what's the first thing (laughs) you you really just kind of viscerally think about when I name those two units?
1: viscerally think about i mean generally i guess i would say this um rangers trained but young delta more
0: experienced okay yeah that's that's it's pretty close um so rangers have this misconception so ranger school is actually a school So anybody that has the ability and a unit that will send them to the school can become Ranger certified. They will wear the tab on their shoulder that says Ranger on it. Now, the movie portrays a Ranger Battalion. That's a different story. Those are Rangers that are actually within a unit that is completely comprised of, with some few exceptions, of all Rangers. Now, Ranger School itself and i get in trouble a lot with this because it's something as a as a non-commissioned officer it kind of irritates me ranger school really is just a very hardcore leadership school um okay. they they suck they hate life for uh 90 days or sometimes longer uh, depending if they get recycled it's multiple different sections um not saying that the guys that don't go- get through it uh didn't earn it because yeah those dudes did um But a lot of credence is paid towards that singular tab that a lot of guys in the military would say may or may not be deserved. Uh, If you were asked to be uh, living in an awful situation uh, for long enough and you just had to stick it out and you were able to have heaped praise upon you and you get to get promoted over other people that may or may not have that school – Uh, Depending on what that thing was, uh, you would say, yeah, okay, I get it. But just being able to endure terrible conditions doesn't necessarily mean you're a better leader than most. Um, So that's the first misconception. Um, So back to the the units. So Ranger Battalion, uh, typically those guys are... um, Experienced, uh, from the leadership on down to the the squad leaders, which Everson, who is Joss Hart and his character, played the squad leader. Mm-hmm. He was also kind of the platoon sergeant, but we'll go with squad leader, who's the chalk leader for that uh, for that Black Hawk. Um, they're all experienced operators. Um, they. The Rangers and Delta both fall under what's called Special Operations Command, okay? So they're both under the exact same command. Now, there's a difference between Special Operations Command and the conventional army. I've never been a part of Special Operations Command, so when you ask me what I think of Visceral between those two units and, say, the units I've been a part of, I'd say they more look like you with the fact that they have beards and get to wear cool guy civilian clothes and have all the weapons and stuff that they want versus me, who I get to hang out with uh, not all of that, uh, and not necessarily get all the cool guy stuff. Um, There was reasons behind it, of course. Uh, Special operations are very specialized units. They're there for specific reasons. They're not there for what the conventional army is, which is to um, go up against peer-to-peer threats or sometimes uh under the peer so uh example be afghanistan or iraq conventional forces are there to achieve an objective uh special operations are um uh, surgical they have surgical reasons mm. for being there um so but delta so delta when when people think delta i always go back to and i will name drop matt best love the hell out of you black rifle Cop, coffee and uh He does a lot of stuff on YouTube. Uh, He does a Mm -hmm. a, a video where it's working out like an operator where he'll show how different units within the special operations community work out the rangers over there single arm deadlifting, you know 300 pounds while (laughs) chugging a a bottle of jameson while yelling ranger um whereas the delta it shows nothing an empty gym and then a dumbbell just drops out of the sky you have no idea where it came from that's delta okay so delta is kind of that is definitely the 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 spooky mysterious uh unit that you may or may not know about You know of them mostly because of Chuck Norris, Um, but...
1: I was waiting for I I was was waiting for Chuck Norris. Lee
0: Marvin, of course, and definitely going to do that podcast (laughs) later, but much like anything else when it comes to Chuck Norris, I am completely biased, so that'll be a very quick podcast. Um, But, yeah, so Delta is a very specialized, more so than the Rangers. They're utilized for surgical missions where certain things have to happen. Um, They operate not under the exact same laws and guidance that a conventional army unit would. Um, And then Rangers are kind of that middle ground. Um, So the reason I bring all of these things up are the, the relationship between the Rangers and Delta in this film is pretty much exactly what you see between conventional army and everybody that's associated with Special Operations Command. So any other conventional army unit would be the guys that are pulling security for cool guy, you know, dudes to roll in on their shiny helicopters to do something, okay? Um, they are the ones that are like, hey, dude, why are you here? Why, are you, why do you have a beard? Um, why, why do you get to wear 511s and khakis and, you know, you get the weapons that nobody's ever heard of? Or worse yet, I wish I had a weapon that worked. That's that's the kind of communication you would have. I, I bring to, uh, to focus the the scene where Eric Bana kind of jumps in front of uh, Orlando Bloom's character Blackburn when he's pulling the meat off the spit for the, the dinner before the mission. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Isaac's character shows up, the captain, you know, and kind of is like, hey, man, you, you might be Delta, but you're not hot shit. That's literally what happens <laughs> every day in the army for conventional dudes against Delta or against the Rangers or against anybody else. So the Rangers wouldn't do that. I mean, there's there's definitely going to be some stigma of oh, I wish I was Delta if I were Rangers. That's kind of the the pecking order. And again, and I'll mm-hmm. I'll kind of go back to say Delta and Rangers are army specific units uh, for special operations. Right. Much like the Navy has its SEALs, Marines have Force Recon, the Air Force has yeah. So the Air Force has people. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're called para, uh, para, uh, paratrooper jumpers the pJs um yeah. PJs, yeah and then the Coast Guard they don't count um sorry space force oh, sp- space Guard. force has jedi um so you you have you have certain units associated with different branches because we have specialty missions that's the reason why we as branches exist um so you have this stigma between the Rangers and and Delta in here. And this brings me to another one, and this is going to go completely over your head uh, because most people that aren't in the army don't know about this, but the word hua fucking grates my ears. Okay? (laughs) Hua is the word that you're given to that really can mean two things. Hua can mean, please shut the fuck up, I don't want to hear it anymore. Or, fuck you. That's what those that means to any any soldier. It doesn't matter if they're conventional to special operations. That word has no place in the normal jargon of the army. You use that word when you're in basic training, and quickly once the the dew is off the lily and you know the guild's off the rose, and you hate life because you've been in the army for more than two and a half seconds, you stop using that fucking word. So every instance of the word hua from rangers no less killed me and like i said that's going to go over the heads of a lot of people but i swear to god if you go and talk to any active duty military member they all have their own word ura is one for the marines yay like it a little mm-hmm. bit more because they like to eat crayons but they will probably say the same thing there is a there's just it's a nuance to the word where it just means, please shut the hell up. We don't care. Um,
1: so th- It's funny to say that because I literally saw a picture the other day of somebody who made a t-shirt that said, Oorah, and in between it was a picture of Crayola crayons. Oh, yeah.
0: No, they, they eat crayons. It's okay. And, and and the great thing is is each color crayon has its own special property. It's kind of like playing D&D with Marines, but it's fine. Uh, we love you. Ura, all you Marine jarhead dudes. <laughs> and I can say that because I know of a couple – and, uh, yeah, you guys are scary. Okay? There, we'll just say that. <laughs> uh, not really. The Army's better. Um, we don't ride on Navy equipment. And that's... I'll, I'll end at that. Um, but we love you. Uh, so, uh, that, that, that kind of goes into that inaccuracy. Is it that big of a deal? No. Um, I feel like, again, based on the fact that there's little to no character development, you had to have some kind of conflict between your central protagonists and in this it's definitely feasible but if they had inserted any other unit other than the rangers for that and again this is all based on real world so obviously you wouldn't but if you were to take this and put this into a fictional account if you inserted any other conventional unit and replaced the delta with rangers or even kept them as delta it would have made total more sense uh, and that that's all I'll go with with that. Um, there were a couple of things uh, actually during the battle that I'll get into, um, but I'll start with weapons. So I don't really go into equipment much on this podcast um, because really every unit has its ability to kind of augment how... It's equipment works. The only times I'll probably bring it up in, in future podcasts is if it's really glaring. Um, last uh, the episode I did with the Patriot, I kind of tap danced around it because I didn't really want to go into it as much as that. Um, but the use of a Kentucky long rifle versus a musket in the Revolutionary War, obviously if you were using a Kentucky long rifle, you're probably using it in the Civil War uh, because that type of rifling didn't exist um at that time. Uh, So going into this film uh, one of the gripes I have uh, and this again coming from the conventional side where it's harder than hell to get a weapon that works as well as it should uh, and or not being able to utilize the equipment that you need uh, seeing flagrant issues and this is this is real life but definitely was a lesson learned uh, from this this event which was leaving equipment that you would need on every mission Mm -hmm. um john the the way i would equate this is if you're planning on taking a trip with your your family would you only fill up your car gas tank with just enough to get you there and maybe get you back or would you fill the whole damn thing up i would fill the whole damn thing right um and the reason for that is it's pretty simple we learned it in in boy scouts or really any kind of thing that you've done in your life always be over prepared better to be over prepared than under prepared uh and that brings me to the point of complacency um that i feel like is the major uh antagonist of this film was complacency um and why do i say that it goes from the equipment where they're leaving their nods not bringing enough water taking out their uh uh their bulletproof plate out of their flak jacket Mm -hmm. which trust me when I say this those shits get heavy um, and it's only gotten worse since 1993 but I would never in my lifetime take out any piece of equipment from my flak jacket that would allow me to survive Mm. Um, realistically no unit would ever leave without having their one sensitive items which means if that were to get lost you would be up shit's creek um their nods their night vision goggles um they would never leave without enough water to get them through at least two days uh, we call it our go bag um and that this water that's ammunition that's food um that's anything and everything we can think of contingency wise as to what we may or may not need, we're bringing it with us. Um, these guys had the opportunity of having their helicopters with them for most of this issue prior to actually everything kicking off. Um, so if you looked at their, their mission scenario, they were only supposed to be there for 30 minutes. In, out, get on with life. Um, but in that time, they had planned on keeping their helos around for support. Um, so they very well could have left a lot of their stuff on the helicopter while having enough to get them through on their persons um and that's again it's something that's grading uh, inaccurate for us now um but for then when you are doing missions over and over and over again you're not really encountering much issue and you're planning on being back at the the garrison within 30 minutes yeah, you could kind of see it
1: well, and my understanding was, so in, in addition to in, what I did to prepare for this episode is um, I did watch the movie. I actually watched the movie with uh, commentary from four vets who were in the mm-hmm. battle. Um, and then I also reread the book. Nice. Actually, I got about three-fourths of the way <laughs> through the book. Um, but so I, I actually just got to the point where uh, I think it's Captain Steel. Mm-hmm. They don't. They don't call him by his rank in the movie, so I can never remember exactly what it is. I think yeah, Captain. Still, that was Isaac's character. Was yeah, it was Isaac's character. Uh, for the first time ever for this mission, he allowed them to not take their night vision goggles. It was. It, it was one glaring thing that was bugging him throughout. At least that's what I'm getting from the book, was that he let he basically let his second in command or somebody underneath him talk him out of telling them to take their night vision goggles and obviously regretted it later oh yeah
0: and and, in hindsight is definitely 2020 obviously um and and it's sort those sort of things that will stay with you um not saying any of that contributed directly to anybody (laughs) dying um but it's it's small mistakes like that that you feel like okay if i had just done that better i could have done everything else better too um and Mm. (sighs) so complacency definitely being one of the main antagonists insofar as if he was able to have been overridden by a second command of, hey man, look, we're just going in and out, we don't need this, it's the middle of the day, uh, why in the hell are we gonna do that? Then, you know, it, it's, it's, a learning, it's a learning curve that was pushed out to the force, I guarantee it, because again, uh, nowadays you go down range, uh, you're carrying everything but the kitchen sink uh, in your bag uh, and that's if you're going from one fob to another that's five minutes down the road, uh, unlike the Hurt Locker where the dude just ran you know, in his hoodie. Uh, so <laughs> that definitely wouldn't happen. Uh, you, you, you overprepare for everything, uh, for as many contingencies as you can, um, because an axiom that was told before this, these events that would have assisted in this is no plan survives first contact. Um, and it's something that uh, I feel like may be a contributor because of the operations command uh, that were on, on, on the ground for this. Uh, they actioned the mission without actually having verified, guaranteed intelligence. In the, in the film, it mm-hmm. says they had three sources corroborate. Um, you, I, I don't have the firsthand accounts on that. Uh, but I can tell you with what they showed in the film, and I, I, I have, cannot remember from the book, um, they did not have three different types of intelligence sources corroborating where uh, a deed was. Um, and had they had actual pieces of in, of, of separate intelligence, because um, what I saw from the film uh, was basically a singular source pointing at the area. Um, utilizing imagery, which was watching the car, having the signal from the dude, uh, and you could tell from the film was shit scared, and you, I guarantee, was was exactly that same way in real world events, um, because who yeah. wouldn't be in that situation? Um, I think I I remember um, if I remember this correctly, the the guy
1: didn't actually at first didn't wouldn't even actually go up to the building. Oh no, he went like a he went like a block from it, and then like refused to go any further, and then they had to like threatened that he wouldn't he wouldn't get any money if he didn't go up to it, and so it took them forever to actually get to the target building.
0: Well, what's what's interesting about it is it really kind of showcases the, the issue of utilizing a source of intelligence from a person. Because a person can be very easily swayed one way or the other. Uh, they were using money to get him to do what they wanted, but money is great once it's in your hands and you're not in harm's way. When you're seeing pickup right. trucks with 50 cows attached to them <laughs> running by you and everyone staring at you, things start to change focus a little bit. Uh, so I definitely can't fault the guy. I understand. I wish the hell he hadn't mm-hmm. done that. Um, but I definitely, I can't fault the man. Um, so that brings me to my next point, uh, because it kind of goes along with with how they were viewing him, uh, which was through a camera that was attached to their their helicopters and through spoken word with a w- with a microphone with the guy was air support. So uh, the mission, as I as I kind of went ahead and discussed a little bit earlier, uh, was supposed to be a pretty simplistic. Uh, in in, infill by the delta guys to the target area find the prisoners pull the prisoners out through a mechanized convoy the rangers were going to infill uh utilizing ropes uh which is an air air insertion uh air assault guys from the 101st would say air assault yeah dude you inserted you actually didn't get fired upon while you were doing that except for in the movie it showed the dude shooting an rpg which he wouldn't be able to see by the way um and you know Blackburn catching it. You know that was the shortest amount of time you've ever seen Orlando Bloom in a movie, other than I think maybe <laughs> the last Pirates. I don't remember. I didn't watch it. Um, but uh, so that you had air support on hand, uh, if you looked at the at the helicopters themselves, uh, the armaments were ridiculous. Uh, For uh, most of the Blackhawks, they had the miniguns on either side, uh, and those that did not have them either had 240 Bravos, M60s, or uh, 50 Cal. Um, And then there was actually two Kiowa attack helicopters that were running interference as well uh, that had 57 millimeter rockets as well as machine guns. So what we call that is close air support. Um, it's very uh, typically associated when you have boots on the ground because you typically want air support above you. Now this was a, uh, a textbook issue of urban warfare and you probably saw it in the film when you are encountering individuals that one are not wearing uniforms, two are able to blend in very well with their environment because they live there, and three have multiple vantage points that they could Engage you, uh, either from the rooftops or within classrooms or within windows or rubble. It really has a a, a dangerous issue of providing uh, covering fire, uh, especially when you're on the ground. Uh, and I'll bring up you and McGregor. Obi Wan definitely said when you have the high ground, you 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 can pretty much handle it. Um, but in this case, we're talking about armed militia guys. Uh, from the Warlord, utilizing high ground to fire down upon the Rangers and the Delta Dudes. Um, so, the close air support, while utilized during the, the, the initial portions of the mission, um, once the first Black Hawk got hit, and they brought in the second one, and then that also got hit, you really didn't see very much air support coming in until they had uh, engaged a lot more support from the outside. Um did you notice that or
1: yes, but um i I, I equated it to we needed to like, as far as the movie goes we had to follow the characters mm-hmm. so all this extra stuff that probably was happening in the battle uh we couldn't have because then all we would be able to hear is just noise
0: yeah I that's fair. Um, and since we're reviewing the movie I guess that makes more sense uh, but fine John. Um, but I, so what I'll say is yes uh, because of the film you're definitely following the individual soldiers where where they were and if the air support was you being utilized in say today's kind of standards, when you have peop- uh, troops in contact a tick, you would see God move earth in order to get those individuals mm. out Um being that the era that it was going on where our politics were the rules of engagement which i'll bring up later but really isn't an uh, issue because we follow very similar ones uh in our current conflicts of having to be shot at first before we can engage um you would not likely see all of the armaments that could be brought to bear brought to bear on this situation um, could it be because of the second and third order effects of what's the world going to think if we're short of nuking a city uh, to bring, bring home what amounts to be 40 dudes um, when it comes to the popular side though we will stop everything and try to find one person and the reason why we do that is one when it comes to the military you don't leave a fallen comrade you don't leave anyone behind and that is one thing that does piss me off about the movie is there are multiple times in the film that you see dudes get left get left behind chaos of battle yeah it happens but ne- never would you leave one dude you know when when you and mcgregor's character drops off blackburn you know, Grimes drops off Blackburn at the the convoy, and he sees his other mm-hmm. three dudes high and saying, "Hey, come on!" No, that would not happen, um, because when you get one dude isolated, that person can be used uh, against you. Uh, if that person's taken captive, captive, that's a POW. They can use him for information, or they can use him nowadays for um, political reasons, not just POW, but if say they're doing something which does happen a lot where we may not want media coverage associated with it and they show an american soldier in gear with weapons in this area uh, that's extremely dangerous uh, to where we are uh, in within the world um, so it's one of those things of as soon as this were to have occurred it, it, for me it would be two things happened one the commander at the airport did not have an idea in his head that this could have occurred complacency sat in this is going to be an in and out had no contingency planned uh in the film he discusses bringing a uh, gunship uh ac-130 which really if you've never seen one of those it's a uh, battleship that flies fucking incredible um but they didn't they turned him down because of the, the, the optics of the area, didn't think they need it. Uh, this associated with the real world why that occurred is because about three weeks earlier, I believe, uh, they were trying to take down the same guy. Uh, they had intelligence saying that this dude was in a house. They decimated the home and reports on the ground where women and children were killed. Um, hmm. So we don't tend to do that. Uh, those are our concerns that we don't like uh, because we are the good guys. Uh, we, are, we are the ones that attempt to do as little damage to wherever we're fighting as possible because we're not fighting the populace. We're fighting a group of bad guys. Uh, and, and that's right. what this film really kind of shined a light on and I, what I really enjoyed. Um, but back to the close air support Definitely could have been done better. Um, the film, that, you know, focuses on these characters, but at no time would if there was an active gunship would not be there firing upon the the crowds to give these guys the ability to, at the very least, get away or back them up enough that they'd have the ability to set up more defensible position in order to get out.
1: I think I heard uh, listening to. I believe, uh, I believe it was Colonel Tom Matthews, who was one of the pilots mm-hmm. there that day, uh, said that the uh, the little birds, the attack uh, yeah. helicopters, basically ran 18 hours yeah. straight in the actual battle, and only went back to rearm. Yeah. They didn't even go back to
0: refuel. They just went back to no. rearm, and then just went straight back yeah. out. Um, it's it's one of those things where you know we don't like having people away uh and this situation is an, is a, is a nightmare for people on the ground mm-hmm. um the only one only event i would say that's probably close to this is ein drang uh the we were soldiers battle um where you mm-hmm. saw these chopper pilots just getting ate up um to get their dudes back or to provide support Um, But honestly, other than that one kind of tactical error, that there would likely be a better focusing of attack in order to provide a little bit more covering, uh, I didn't really see any other tactical issues uh, with the film. Um, Again, going to kind of equipment nitpicky crap, uh, (laughs) the weapon systems utilized by these guys, uh, the Delta, you guys, you saw the M4 carbines, which are the shorter... Smaller weapons, mm-hmm. which everyone sees as an AR 15 now for the civilians. Um, a lot of those guys either had an optic on or they didn't. Everybody would have optics. Uh, nobody would be running iron sights uh, because mm-hmm. those types of weapons are used in close quarters. You don't have time to actually have a good sight picture uh, util- utilizing iron sights. <laughs> the Rangers, similarly, the, the ones that had the uh, M16A3s, which were the ones that had the, the squared-off uh, ar- uh, handrest. Um, you, you, you saw some that had the, the 204, which is the grenade launcher. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, 203. 203, which is the grenade launcher. And then the, um, uh, the extended mags, but they didn't have optics. Uh, again, if we're talking about a Ranger Battalion... Uh, And we already know that, yeah, they did leave nods and other things. Those guys are usually outfitted to the gills. uh, So they would have access to better equipment um, just based on, on personal experience with these guys. Um, and again, we're talking about previous to the GWAT era, so definitely equipment was an issue, I am certain. Uh, but again, that's nitpicky crap that if you were to put it right. into today's standard, um, the, the weapon system that I, I carried, which was just an M4 with an M68, which is a reflex sight, um, the, the Ranger dudes would be carrying, you know, Sig Sauer uh, AR platforms with every laser. A cog that you can think of, uh, because again, they're a specialized unit. They need better tools in order to execute the job. Um, I know you're you're really into weapons, John. So, is there anything you wanted to point out? Um,
1: well, I was kind of actually I was going through the looking through the list of stuff that you see in the film. Um, I didn't notice too much, although I was. I found it interesting and I don't know if this is true in real life and I was actually going to bring this up um, so I'll ask this first before I talk about this but what was uh, how did you feel that they um, or let me rephrase the question do you feel like they did a good job portraying um, Shugart and Gordon? no I did not the two. Oh, really? No, oh, really okay but go ahead well I, I, the problem is is I think they didn't get as much time as they probably deserved on mm-hmm. film but in in a in a movie where you're having to show the entire battle, I mean, you could probably make if you did a whole movie based on just what happened with I'd say like maybe just specifically on Mike uh-huh. Durant, you would spend a lot more time with what happened with Shugard right. and Gordon, and I I don't I don't think that they they didn't spend more time because they didn't want to. It's just that they couldn't. Right. Or,
0: or else we're going to end up with like a three or four hour movie. Which, that wouldn't be a bad thing. I'm just, I'm just saying. <laughs> just give, give, give me more. Give, give, me, give, me, give me all the things. <laughs> well, I mean, this movie came out around the same time as the first Lord of the Rings movie, which was clocked in at like three exactly. hours. Exactly, and so. if you go to the extended edition, you, you had to install a toilet that you were sitting on in order to watch the damn <laughs> movie. So why in the hell not? That is fair.
1: Um, but it shows, uh, I think Shugart...
0: Can't remember which one.
1: Yeah, Shugart sh- uh, using an M14, mm-hmm. and I wonder if that is what he was actually yeah. using.
0: So the M14 was was the was the longer range uh, weapon system. Uh, it was separate. They would use it as the tactical snipers. Uh, so that if they could not replace okay. them uh, with the three oh eight uh, they would use this. The, well, I would say they probably go a thirty-eight six at that time. Um, so if they couldn't in place that guy, uh, so the tactical sniper would use the M um, fourteen. It's got a longer barrel on it. It's got the the better stock. Uh, his optic on there was used to be counter sniper. Uh, so quick movement, okay. being able to engage multiple targets and multiple times. Um, it definitely uh, his weapon system was accurate only so far as what his job was um right my issues were, were for for other equipment were like using m60s uh there was a couple of the dudes that were ro- rocking the pig uh which i love <laughs> I, I love the hell out of that weapon but at that time i feel like the 240s probably were more apt to be utilized in that um okay really just because longer barrel better rate of fire uh, you didn't have to change it out as much um the, and just how some of the humvees had had m60s attached some had it, uh the 50 cal mal uh i feel like they definitely would have swapped out the m60 at that point the squad machine gunners definitely could see it um and even then you had dudes that were rocking the 249 uh and then you had dudes that were rocking the the m60 uh but again nitpicky shit uh, if that if that squad uh, if the battalion had decided screw the 240 we don't like that newfangled shit give me the pig that I can throw sawdust <laughs> into the barrel and it'll still fire hey man more right. more power to you um, I know personally I don't like the 249 uh, because my m4 fires the same round um, yeah, the 249 has a better rate of fire but I don't if I want to use a machine gun, I wanted to have the same kind of punch uh that my uh adversary does uh which um. those guys are rocking seven six two by five four in everything they fire um we're we're rolling we're rolling five five six nato um so the right. the, the 240 gives us that ability uh give me the modus all day long uh because that that honey will take care of any problem uh that that's yeah. <laughs> It's really funny that you say that because uh, there's
1: one person in the book uh, who I think is Delta um, and I'm, I'm not going to mention his name because he was a real person. Mm-hmm. but half of the time that you read his part in the book, he's complaining about the 556. Oh, yeah. and he's just he's like, why are we using this stupid round
0: and Yeah, like, it's, it's the same reason why we went away from the 45 caliber pistol to the nine mil uh, because it was easier to level the bubble across the board for you uh, for NATO. Uh, Forces uh, so that I Mm -hmm. could pick up the same nine millimeter that the German is, uh, and I'd be able to fit Mm -hmm. it. Um, Thankfully, I only carried a Beretta for half of my time. I carried the the SIG (laughs) 320 now, uh, which is awesome. And I have the two civilian variants, uh, which I won't name where I got, Um, but thank you. Realistically, uh, you can buy the, the 320 uh, at any gun shop now, uh, except right now you probably can't find it anywhere because, you know. It,
1: right now you can't find
0: anything. I, it's ridiculous. Um,
1: I don't know how it is for you, but uh, I tried to find ammo today, <laughs> and they are out of. Uh,
0: I'm, I'm going to probably start making a slingshot at this point because I feel <laughs> woefully inadequate with my ammunition, and it's not getting any better, uh, hopefully next year. Um, but back to the 5.56, five, yeah, if you talk to any any uh, guy that lugs around an M4, he will tell you he'd much rather have a 7.62 uh, for everything except weight. Um, hmm. I personally just picked up an AR-10 in the 308, uh and loaded... Uh, basic combat load which is seven magazines for ar-10 you have 25 round magazines compared to the 30 and the eight a- uh, the m4 um and there is a i would say 30 pound weight difference between the 556 and the wow. 308 they are very heavy we- uh and am- uh rounds uh so lugging those bastards around all the time would suck um so i can i can see the 556 but most people, and I think this really goes back to World War II, if you were to tell me tomorrow I could choose between the M4 and the M1, I would give the M1 every single time uh, because that 30-odd-6 round would put everybody on their ass within one round. Uh, and I don't have to worry about continuing to fire because after I see pink miss with that, we're done. We're, we're good. Um, <laughs> and that's that's all I have to say about that. Um <laughs> So again, overall, really, it's it's a well done movie uh, for for mm. tactics. Uh, they were they really tried to be faithful. There's a lot of Hollywood. Uh, again, Ken Nolan the, from you know the creator of Transformers, The Last Night. You know that has to be the greatest um, order of his day when it comes to to action films. Um, I know there was a couple of people uh, from some of the sites that I was doing some research on that were saying um, a lot of the the technical fights where they had the pickup trucks with them with the uh, you know 50 cals rolling up and and causing issues Mm -hmm. a lot of that wasn't the case Um, Mm -hmm. but again you're talking about trying to keep the interest of people that aren't you know as staunch a historians as some uh and the best right. way to do that is to you know put ewan mcgregor on his ass three or four times after you know <laughs> mi- narrowly getting missed by rpgs um which again wouldn't fucking happen but regardless um <laughs> I, 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 it really is it's 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 a it's a stand-up flick it's one that should be re-watched if you haven't seen it before um and i really enjoyed it um john do you have any final thoughts um, well yeah there's no I think
1: there's no mystery I, I do I do love this film um, it helped kind of spark uh, a love of uh, military history that is still continues today um, I still try to do research on things and has you know, sparked a love in other interests <laughs> I'll say that um, and it's, it's what's funny because I, I look at it as a, it was a gateway into learning about the real world and um, some of my favorite things to do. I actually, I like to watch the behind the scenes stuff of this movie more than I actually like (laughs) watching the movie itself. Uh, So I do watch a a lot of that or or any, anything, any documentary on the actual event. So, uh, uh, I mean, I love, I love the movie and yeah, there are inaccuracies. Um, but it is, I think it's a good depiction of what happened on that day, especially because I kind of remember and I, probably should have brought this up earlier um i kind of remember the photo of mike durant Mm -hmm. being shown on the news when when his video was released when he was in captivity Mm -hmm. um i remember the first time i saw the actual picture i think when i was reading the book because i think it was inside the book um like this happens a lot with a lot of the military books i read they'll have the book and then the very center of the book there's a whole bunch of pages with just pictures of stuff, and they had Mike Durant's picture, and I jarred a memory. I am like, God, I think I remember seeing that on the news. Um, I would have been, this is '93. I would have been 12, yeah, I was almost 13 at the time. So, I probably wasn't. I wasn't actively watching the news, but probably my, one of my, you know, my mom or my dad had the news on, and seeing that on there, all, all of a sudden, I just was flooded back with, oh God, I think I remember. Roughly when this was happening. I was not cognizant of it. Especially because they didn't really... I don't remember being told a whole lot about it. About the actual event. Now, granted, I was a kid, so I probably wouldn't have cared either way. I just wanted to go hang out with my friends. That's yeah, a joke I didn't have. Um, I, no, I had acquaintances. I'll leave it at that. No, I had friends. Um, but I think it's a, a great depiction of of the event it's not it's not a documentary but it, then again it's not meant to be a documentary it's still a hollywood film in the end right so
0: and if nothing else it it, it brought people's awareness to an event that may have not have mm-hmm. been um and uh any awareness to the plight of soldiers on the battlefield i'm okay with um unless it's the mm-hmm. hurt locker uh but uh that's which is funny because I know my brother vehemently disagrees And with that. that's fine. Uh, I, I've, I've said it in the past. Uh, anybody <laughs> that can show me that they can single arm curl one, one, five, five round, one, not five, which is what they show in the movie, then you and I can have a conversation and I will acquiesce. Um, but at this point, I've not seen that yet. Um, of course I'll probably get like five or six videos saying come at me bro Um, (laughs) but that's okay this is my podcast Um, but uh, John I really appreciate you having you on and uh, thank you for being my my guinea pig on this and uh, I, I, I definitely suggest to everybody that's listening if you have not picked up uh, the blast from our past podcast with John um, and anything else that he is involved in, definitely get there and listen to it. Uh, he is way better than what he showcased here. John, you were terrible, and you are probably getting me canceled. Um, but definitely look him up. Uh, look up uh, everything that that the brothers Spees are involved in, and uh, John, I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that you allowed me allowed me you know a, a civvy. Uh, with no, with no military
0: background to come be your first guest on this. Well, podcast. I set the bar low, John. So everything else go. is. You, great. Can high, you can only go hot. You can only exactly. go up from here. Um, but uh, other than that, please like and subscribe. Um, I'm on all podcasting mediums now, including Apple and Google. Um, please review me. Uh, and uh, leave a uh, a five star review if you liked it Uh, if you want to leave me a one star just don't Uh, it's probably better that way Um, but give me any honest feedback I'm on Facebook at you call those tactics Uh, also uh, on email please send me any uh, feedback you have Uh, and that being said anything else there John
1: Uh, sorry Sorry, as I choke on myself (laughs) um uh, oh shit! No. <laughs> uh, perfect, perfect way to end I was it. Gonna, I was gonna make another plug. I was gonna make another plug, but then I decided that you've already done your outros. I'm like, I don't need to. I don't need okay. anything.
0: Uh Well, that's that's all for now. Uh, please see us back next week on You Call Those Tactics and Stay Frosty. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh, right. Oh god. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs>